Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. It is April 1st, Friday, April 1st, TGIF. Welcome into the CHGO studios here in the West Loop. This is Studio A. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He is the CHGO White Sox beat writer. He's currently got an article up analyzing the A.J. Pollock trade. If you haven't heard, the White Sox traded for A.J. Pollock. We'll break down that trade right away, but you can go read Vinny's thoughts up at allchgo.com. That is unlocked and free to everyone. You don't have to be a member to access that. And the man in the middle, Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He is our CHGO White Sox community leader. Uh, Herb, there's uh, one guy who's uh, been asking me uh, to unblock you, uh, if, if you want to unblock him on Twitter. so uh, I mean, usually I blocked him because he probably swore at me. I'm a grown man. I don't right. take those two. T- I'll have any argument with you, but as long as we keep it cordial, we're that's uh, the way you can stay on block. But uh, if he's a good guy, let him uh, have his application out there. I'll see if I can get it through. I think what we should do is we should start making this more of a streamlined process. A lot of people, you blocked a lot of people on Twitter, apparently. They all want me to have you unblock them. Uh, we should have set up an email, unblock me at allchgo.com. It will be great. <laughs> unblock uh, me, her. In all your <laughs> yes, applications. Maybe, maybe you pissed off Vinny, too, and maybe you got blocked by him. But uh, that, that's, I don't, that's I don't block. I'm mute. Oh, there you go. It's a mystery. It's a mystery <laughs> to everyone, whether they're... Uh, those are... Our, our panelist, uh, Herb Lawrence. If someone said, like, Elvis, Elvis Costello is not a good rocker, would you block them? I wouldn't block. I'd mute. You'd okay. mute him? I'd mute, yeah. All right. For bad on. Elvis Costello takes? Yeah. Okay. I don't want any bad Elvis Costello takes <laughs> on my timeline. Do they get a couple chances, or is it just, you know, one strike oh. and you're out with I Elvis mean, Costello? I mean, there could be some takes, some negative takes that I might agree with. You know what I mean? That's fine. But, like, come on. Don't 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 go don't going after Elvis good Costello. Name, good name if if you want, during, during the episode, think of a negative Elvis Costello take that you have. Oh, I have plenty. Oh, well, yeah. what's one? I mean, like, way too much classical music. Like, get, <laughs> come on, man. You're you're the you're you're a rock and roller from the late seventies. We don't need you. We don't need to be going into uh, you know Burt Bacharach songs. Come on now. <laughs> we don't need to be getting into Burt Bacharach here too on the CHGO White Sox podcast because a lot of news has happened and we have a huge guest on today's show. On today's show, we'll be talking to you about Garrett Crochet. He left last night in the eighth inning against a in a spring training game against the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, we got some news from Rick Hahn and it's not sounding good. We'll start off with the bad, but the good news is AJ Pollock is now a White Sox. He was traded for Craig Kimbrell. We'll break down the deals of that. And then at 2.40, the host of Hot Ones, Sean Evans, will be joining the show. We'll get to chat with Sean Evans, lifelong Sox fan. And obviously, you know him from one of the uh, the best interview shows out there on YouTube, Hot Ones. So excited to talk about that all today on the CHGO White Sox podcast. Let's quit wasting time, though. The trade happened uh, right before I left my house at 11 a.m. today. Craig Kimbrell is now a Los Angeles Dodger. A.J. Pollock is now a Chicago White Sox. It seems like the money is pretty clear to uh, to sort out, pretty even money-wise. It's pretty much a straight-up trade. A.J. Pollock for Craig Kimbrell. What were your immediate thoughts? I'm going to go to you first, Herb. What, what were your thoughts here? Awesome. Just like the White Sox have a complete outfield, people who have played the outfield. And A.J. Pollock is a plus bat. I don't think he's been a, a OPS plus minus guy. Uh, his whole career as a Diamondback or a Dodger. The only problem with A.J. Pollock is health, just like our other two outfielders. So to get Craig Kimbrell's money off of the books, where you have a surplus of, you're trading from, you're trading from strength, there's a surplus of good right-handed relievers, and then you acquire a player like A.J. Pollock, Rick Hahn does it again. I mean, the man is a magician. He waited till 
like the week before the game's gonna start, like we'll be into like the seventh inning next next week to make his moves. But these are outstanding. This is an outstanding move. I could not be happier. And I was just telling you guys, like it's not like a earth shattering thing to get a thirty four year old AJ Pollock, but for this championship caliber team of the White Sox, it's an awesome move. And you can see the reaction of White Sox fans. They're through the moon about the acquisition of a player that you know is going to hit if he's healthy. You know he's going to field the ball if he's on the outfield. It just makes his team that much better. Yeah, Vinny, you talked about calming angst in your uh, fan angst in your, your article today. Uh, how much do you think it has calmed fan angst, and why do you think it's calming fan, fan angst here? I think some. I think I think you guys wanted wanted a move like this, and yeah, I think you got it. You, you know what I mean? 100%. You know, I've, I listen. I, I I've heard nothing but Michael Conforto for the last few weeks, and I think at the end of the day, Michael Conforto's good. Is Michael Conforto, you know, the future MVP of the league or anything like that? I think Sox fans wanted something that wasn't a, a couple relievers, as good as those relievers were. Uh, you know, uh, uh, and they got their something today. Obviously, that's not why Rick Hahn made the move, made it to make his team better, and that's what he did. I think the bottom line is White Sox fans wanted to see the kind of move the contenders make, and that's what this was. Even if it wasn't from the Twins go get Carlos Correa aspect or the Mets break the bank for Max Scherzer angle, what it was was the type of move that the Dodgers make. And, I mean, it just so happened to be with the Dodgers, but, I, I mean, I think we've We've sat here and talked about this over and over again in the last few weeks. I thought that the White Sox had a roster that could win the World Series. I thought they had a right field situation that could allow them to win and win big. But go look at the Dodgers. They don't stop. Right. They don't say, They don't say. yeah, this is a winning team. They say, let's just keep piling guys on, and, and, and you, that can only increase our chances of winning. That's what the White Sox did in getting Pollock, in addition to a lot of other positive things, Herb, that you mentioned. The guy can hit. I've been talking about how they needed a bat maybe more than a right fielder this whole time. They went out and got the bat. A lot of other people said there was a hole in right field because Andrew Vaughn is not a right fielder. And guess what? Now they went out and got a guy who's won a gold glove playing the outfield. So I think that this satisfied every aspect of what people thought the White Sox needed, and it was one of those moves that even if it wasn't that big, splashy, Thing that everybody wanted at the start of the offseason. It was the type of move that makes them more likely to win the World Series than they were when everybody woke up this morning. Well, and the thing, too, is like we've been focusing on Conforto. We've been focusing on Conforto, and I did a bad job yesterday of not going to the YouTube comments that were mentioning, like, they sh they could have even signed Jorge Soler, and I would have been happy. Eddie Rosario, who signed for under $20 million, I would have been happy. Like, they didn't need to be extremely aggressive, but they needed to make a move. And I was just getting frustrated over the fact that they couldn't make a move or, or they haven't made a move just yet. Now that they've made a move, you talked about them before even you thinking that they had World Series expectations. I didn't have those type of expectations. Now I feel a little bit more comfortable feeling that this White Sox team, at least at opening day, is at a very, very good starting point. And the fact that they still have players that they can trade, Jake Berger, Gavin Sheets, whomever, to fill out the roster. We've seen what Rick Hahn has done before at trade deadlines. I feel very, very, very good about this opening day roster for the Chicago White Sox after this trade because they needed a bat. Like you said, they went out and added a bat, and finally seeing that bat on this roster has calmed a lot of nerves. Well, and that's what I wrote about today is that, like, it, again, in my opinion, I thought there was, and, and you could even say objectively, there was a ton of reason for fans to be very, very excited about this White Sox team right. this year, but they were holding off on that excitement until something like this happened. And now that, now that it, something like this has happened, I feel like it's like, 
you guys are allowed to be excited. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, now, now, now we feel like, okay, we are allowed to have the excitement that really was deserved all along, mm-hmm. but you were holding it back just in case, and now you guys are able to uh, really kind of let that fly. Yeah, exactly. You just wanted uh, the team to recognize what we recognized, and I'm sure they did, and I'm sure Rick is like, as you have stated many times, like, the offseason is still going on, and it's still going on right now until probably into the season, too, because of the nature of the lockout. So Rick is like, I got plenty of time. And he probably knew he had some deals working already to get A.J. Pollock for Craig Kimbrell. It's mind-blowing to me. Like, I was looking at, you can get a Gene Segura. You can get a player that is a little lesser than A.J. Pollock. A.J. Pollock, to me, especially coming off the year that he just had, is a plus bat. It's mm-hmm. a bat that is going to be batting bottom half, of, or bottom third of your lineup for the White Sox, and he's going to be doing damage. Last year he had 21 home runs and, what, 120 games? The guy is a hitter, and he can field his, his position very well. Like, I love Andrew Vaughn, and he's going to get his bats at designated hitter and probably some in right field too. But to go to the season with Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets, I was resigned, and I was like, that was going to be fine. Now I'm so relieved that he's not going to be doing that for 162 games. Oh, it feels so good to have an actual <laughs> outfield, people who played the position. Right. No, I absolutely agree because the best thing that was about Vaughn and Sheets was their bat, and that's why they played themselves into right field. Two first basemen, two natural first basemen, played themselves into right field because of how well they performed with their bat. Now you look at that right field spot. You have such an adequate fielder in Adam Engel with the potential of a bat that could be average, something that he's shown before if he's healthy. And you have A.J. Pollock, a guy that is clearly a major leaguer. Health has been his only true setback in his career. But outside of that, he has performed every single year. And what I have loved is seeing the natural progression of his career. His best year was in 2015 when he was 27. He still had his speed. He still had all of his health. He hit 20 home runs, stole 39 bags, posted a 6-8 war season, playing good center field defense. That is not the player the White Sox have just acquired. They have acquired, though, somebody who is now 33 and has just become more balanced at the plate, truly understands how to attack plate uh, attack plate appearances, and you've seen the career high now in home runs. He's up to 21. That's his career high. Just hit that last year. Um, still the same batter profile-wise. He's still going to take walks. Not a huge strikeout guy, but also he doesn't hit the ball on the ground, which I absolutely love. He's been taking down his ground ball rate year and year and year. It's below 40% now. He just hits fly balls and when they you know they're up in the air they go out more often now uh, than ever before in his career and he started now just absolutely uh, hitting more barrels of, of the bat over 10 percent uh, in, in the past two years uh, his barrel percentage he's never been over 10 percent in any other season so he has truly become a experienced hitter which the White Sox really did need we've seen that in the postseason before the bats have gone silent. Uh, you know, Jose Abreu hasn't had the best two past postseasons. Uh, Eloy has been injured and up and down. Uh, Tim Anderson has really been the one guy that has shown out in both postseasons for the Sox. I just think the experience that Pollock brings to this team, as long as he stays healthy, is going to be so important to this lineup because, yes, it is very deep, but we look at it, not a lot of experience. Pollock brings a ton of experience and a ton of playoff experience to this team. 
Well, and look at, and yeah, I mean, you talk about playoff experience. Look at the guys that the White Sox have added. You know what I mean? Even dating all the way back to the to the Grandal and Keiko offseason, you're talking about a guy in, in Grandal who who had been to the World Series, a guy in uh, Keiko who had won the World Series, and now we're and now we're looking at Lance Lynn who's won the World Series. E- even just this year, Kendall Graveman was on, was on the mound to close out three World Series games last year. Joe Kelly, famously mm-hmm. with both the Dodgers and the Red Sox in the World Series, and now you're adding a guy in Pollock who's been there the last three years with the Dodgers including winning a World Series in 2020 I mean these guys are added for a reason and and you know you go out and get winning players to help you win (laughs) it's it I think uh, a lot of people scoff at it sometimes because they like you know looking at the the numbers that they can that they can grasp on on us on a screen or on the back of a baseball card but to have the guys like that who know what it's like when the lights get bright that's a very important thing as I think the White Sox learned negatively last year you know what I mean I think mm-hmm. I think the White Sox were on that stage really for the first time because you don't really count 2020 in the in the empty ballparks out there in Oakland uh, and I think if you talk to those guys as I did in the spring that's the thing that they keep coming back to as well now we know what it's like kind of thing they keep adding guys who really know what it's like who know what it's like to get to the end of that you know, playoff run uh, to win that trophy at the end of things and that's very important I think yeah, and not only do they have that play experience, and like you said, they're really good. Like, they're not just like, hey, I was on a World Series winning team. I was competing. I was actually one of the reasons why we won the World Series. And for those young players like Luis Robert, like Eloy Jimenez, Tim Anderson himself, Jose Abreu, those things might get, like, you might get tight in those situations. Uh, AJ Pollock's like, hey, man, I've been here. I've done it. Just play you. Be you. You're, you're good enough to win in the playoffs. Some uh, encouraging word for him. Hey, I was in this situation in 2020. We did this, that, and the other World Series. Type of things that, you know, you can't get unless you have experience, and those players have experience. I don't know what, how much you can learn from losing two series like the White Sox just did. Maybe, you know, you can say, hey, we have playoff experience, and we don't want to do that again, so we'll do the opposite of what we did in the playoffs. Right. But guys who've been well, there, done that, can impart actual knowledge and, and say, "Hey, well, this is what we're gonna do, guys." And I think we're on the same wavelength Luke here. Lucas Well, no, I was oh, gonna okay. say, I think we, I, I, I forgot to list when I was listing all the guys with playoff experience. The most important one, Tony, Tony Larusa. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I he, heard he's been there a couple of times. Uh, but I, I immediately went to Lucas Giolito talking about, like, I, I understand your point. Like, yes, we've had playoff experience, but like Lucas talked about them being unprepared compared to the, the Astros. Like, they, they, they didn't have. Like the, the the Astros were just ready for this opportunity because they knew because yes. they'd been there before. So and and that's something that the White Sox I think have lacked. This is something that you know AJ Pollock can bring this experience and the batted ball profile. This is what the Sox need. They need to get away from ground balls. They need to get away from more. They need to get to more fly balls. Uh, this guy has absolutely got the profile that you want of a, of a thirty three year old hitter. Uh, Jimbo uh, tweet right there a text about the. What's that? Uh, yeah, he has a 146 weighted runs created plus versus right-handers last wow. season, which is crazy, especially being a right-handed pitcher. Uh, just got to make sure that how many times. Wow. You, what's the splits on that? Do you have like five at bats? Let's uh, let's, let's check. <laughs> I that. mean, with the Dodgers, uh, but, yeah, they yeah. probably put like Beatty, Beatty or McKinstry in the game when. They're facing. I, I mean, no. he you know, versus right-handers, he played more games than left-handers, and he was better against right-handers than he was left-handers. Mm. So let's go, baby. Oh, Adam Ingle going to be playing left field against or right field against uh, left-handers. And speaking of, uh, you know, looking at the lineup, let's look at this lineup uh, before we get away from this and talk about the player that is mm. left. Uh, we got Craig Kimbrell Delicious. leaving, but let's look at the projecting 
uh, projected White Sox lineup for 2022. Tim Anderson leading off at shortstop. Luis Roberts second playing center field. Jose Abreu batting third playing first base. Yasmani Grandal cleanup catching uh, at uh, batting fifth. Eloy Jimenez in left field. You know, Pat Hughes makes this seem so easy when he does this. <laughs> uh, batting six, Johan Moncada playing third base. AJ Pollock in right field. He's a Moncada. Johan Moncada. Uh, Andrew Vaughn and Ga- uh, Gavin Sheets uh, split in time at DH. And then Leary Garcia and Josh Harrison at second base. That's a lineup right there. Well, it just goes to show you, too, this is a, uh, a celebratory day for White Sox fans. Everybody is, uh, you know, saying finally and raising their hands to the sky. You guys just got a seven-hitter. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like, I mean, and that, that, that really should, that, and that's that's not to say. No. I mean, that's to point out how what kind of spot they were in before, what kind of spot they're in now. I mean, seriously, I mean, that's a lineup right that, there. That puts the good. point down. Like this is not like a earth-shattering move, but it makes White Sox fans feel euphoric. And I was thinking right there, like the only thing AJ Pollock needs to do is like every single right fielder and left fielder who's playing Luis Robert. I know you're a Gold Glover. Right. Balls to your left, catch them. Balls to your right, look for 88. Do yeah. not hit 88. That derails everything <laughs> if you hit 88. Do not hit them. That's I don't what care they, if that's you're what good. You got, that's what you got Eloy for on the other side, dude, oh, yeah, for them to run right. into each other every exactly. once in a while. He's not like uh, an elite defender, A.J. Pollock, uh, just looking at the past stuff. He hasn't played a ton of right field as well, which will be an adjustment for him. Uh, I do wonder what his arm will be out like there, but, you know, he has – experience out yes. in the outfield which is which is most important uh so I, that, that's definitely something to look out for uh, hasn't played a ton of right field so it'll be a new position for and him good to thing for to. him you know when spring's about to break done at the move just right, right over the yeah. oh yeah right yeah. Yeah. trade trade exactly. neighbors with the same the thing with Craig. neighbors just grabs his white Sox bag and walks over walks down the path <laughs> maybe, behind the uh, gra- behind the field grabs there. his cub bag that he brought to guarantee rate last year and takes it over to dodgers camp <laughs> you're talking about craig kimbrell yeah uh this is the chgo white Sox podcast presented by points bet use code chgo when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars that's the best way to support chgo is to download the points bet app and use code chgo when you sign up if you do that right now you'll get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars that's not it if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allCHGO.com, and we will help you out. It's something I got I to let you know about. This weekend, obviously the tournament's happening on Saturday. You got the the, the last four teams in, I don't want to use any copyrighted uh, possible and possible terms here, but during <laughs> points bets match madness, all users can earn up to $100 in free bets. During each round, just place a $50 pregame wager and get a free $20 live bet to be used for that round. So if you feel excited about Duke's possibility to win, if you feel excited about UNC's possibility to win, you want to put a $50 wager down on them to win before the game, you'll also get a $20 live free bet so you can watch the game and hey you know if your team's losing you can always cover yourself uh by taking advantage of that free 20 dollars live bet if you take advantage of points bets match madness again use code chgo to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars on points bet so what are you waiting for once the game starts don't just bet live your bet life with points bet gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 we have to talk about chgo really quickly you can become a member at allchgo.com you get access when you become a member to our Discord, the CHG Lounge. I know a lot of people are enjoying it. You get yeah, to talk you let to our us. Yeah, guy Luke in. Yeah, Bruhan Luke's in there now. Alex Rude's in there you. now. 
We're starting a White Sox party in the, in the Discord. And the cool thing, too, is on Monday, we're going to be doing our first ever Mailbag Monday episode. If you want to get questions in for that, that will be Discord only. So we will be taking questions for the Mailbag Monday through our Discord. So if you're looking to get your questions submitted in, go to allchgo.com. And if you remember, not only you get access to the CHGO Lounge, you get a free T-shirt when you sign up. Those are shipping out, and people are getting them soon. So you got to get in on the fun. You're going to see a lot of dope merch walking around uh, Chicago, a lot of dope CHGO merch walking around Chicago. But then you also get access to the premium written content that Vinny Duber is pushing out about your Chicago White Sox. Now, the first one he just, the most recent one he put out is free. Um, but all the other stuff, like the Garrett Cro- uh you wrote about Crochet, right? Crochet and Kopech. Oh, well, I wrote about Kopech crochet and Crochet, crochet pre-injury the, injury right. the other day, and I'm sure we'll have something on Crochet coming post uh, You also wrote about Andrew now. Vaughn recently as I well. Did, That's yes. behind the paywall. So you could become a member and get access to the premium written content at allchgo.com. Now, the one part of the trade we didn't talk about was the Craig Kimbrell part. We didn't get too deep into that because there's also more news. Garrett Crochet left the game last night, uh, at the spring training game against the Reds, in the eighth inning, apparently bounced a ball like three feet in front of the uh, plate, then had to leave down the right field line with the trainers. Before we get into the Craig Kimbrell and, and the Garrett Crochet stuff, well, I mean, it's, let me phrase it this way. You lose Craig Kimbrell in the trade, you possibly lose Garrett Crochet for the entire season, what do these two losses mean to the Chicago White Sox bullpen? I'll go to Vinny first. I think the good news is, or, or the silver lining, whatever you want to call it, uh, is why they traded Kimbrell in the first place. The bullpen is stacked. The bullpen was the position of strength. It was probably the best facet of the entire team when, the, when everybody woke up this morning. Um, the reason that they signed Kendall Graveman and the reason they signed Joe Kelly were to be those premier setup guys in front of Liam Hendricks. Craig Kimbrell, had he stuck around, would have been a very nice piece to have in the bullpen, (laughs) but he wasn't going to be expected to be the guy that they thought he was going to be when they got him in the trade last summer. And so it was going to just be surplus, surplus, surplus. And of course, as Ray Khan loves to tell you, you can never have enough pitching, and so that would have been just fine. But you deal from a position of strength to go address a weakness or go address a need. That's what Ray Khan did this morning. Now, the loss of Crochet is a little different. It's a little more impactful, I think, because he throws with the left hand. And I think that right. the, the left-handedness of him, you take away one of two big league left-handers you had in that bullpen, the other being Aaron Bummer, who obviously is also going to have a really large role on this team. And you just run into a shortage. You have a shortage there right now. Obviously, they have got guys that they are gonna that they can plug in, and I would expect that one of the lefties that they have in camp still is going to make the big league roster just so Aaron Bummer isn't the right. only left-hander out there. Um, but it's a little bit more of an unknown. Garrett Crochet was going to be leaned on to maybe not just be a good reliever, but a guy who could give you multiple innings at a time. And and a guy who looked really good in spring training, by the way, too. So um, it, it's definitely a loss. But uh, given that he was projected to be such a long-term piece, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, they lose him forever. But to lose him for this year, obviously, is not great. Herb, I have an, uh, a theory. Uh, okay. I was... From, I was you're very interested when they signed Kendall Graveman this offseason. Uh, and then when they signed Joe Kelly, that felt like the replacement to Craig Kimbrell. So mm-hmm. now looking at this roster, I don't worry too much about the Kimbrell loss. Do you? Because I think that they made it up with Graveman and, and Kelly, those signings. I worry a lot about Crochet because of the handedness and obviously because of his future potential. But with Kimbrell, is this that big of a loss or is it you know easily stomachable with the, the Pollock acquisition? Yeah, Vinny said it perfectly. Like, they traded from a position of strength. And think about this. I think about this to this morning. I was like, Rick Hahn last night knew that Garrett Crochet left that game. 
and knew that he was probably in trouble. And he still made that trade today. Maybe that trade was already done in principle yesterday, Mm -hmm. but he was like, yeah, I'll still trade away Craig Kimbrell to get A.J. Pollock, so I'm fine. I'm good. We've already – I think they've already insulated their bullpen. It's awesome. Like, you have the best reliever in baseball, Liam Hendricks, and Kendall Graveman is closing out World Series games, as Vinny just said. Like, we have a whip. And when Joe Kelly joins the team after his injury – that, that bullpen is going to be filthy. Yes, the handedness and the actual good pitching of Garrett Crochet will be missed 100%. But I think they can have somebody give you a nice representative effort out there as a left-hander. I mean, when Jace Fry was here a couple of years ago, I know it's not with the yeah. team anymore, but he was decent. You know, you can find a guy like as Souza steps up or your man Anson Severino steps He's up. Your man. Or Sean Anderson Severino. Sean Anderson, Sean Anderson Severino. Severino. Finnegan is in camp, I believe. Uh, former big leaguer Brandon Finnegan's in camp. I'm not too worried about Garrett Crochet being out. It sucks. Sucks personally for him. Yeah. Sucks for the White Sox as a whole because we were counting on him to be a big time bullpen, bullpen piece. But I think overall, everything that's happened, the White Sox are a much better team. Not much better. Just a better team that they not now than they were yesterday. The crochet loss is very, very important. But again, that is still a, a very deep uh, bullpen. So it is something I have less of a concern about. Let's talk about replacing crochet now because I think the more interesting conversation about him is the long-term effects that it has on in his future. But let's talk about replacing Garrett Crochet. We do have some free agents here that are currently available. Richard Rodriguez is a, uh, an important name, former uh, World Series winner with the Braves last year and a former Pirate. Tony Watson, uh, 37-year-old left-hander, uh, posted a .8 war season between the, I think it was the Padres and Giants. He finished out the season with the Giants. It was the Angels and Giants last year. Uh, Rafael Dolis, he was a former uh, Blue Jay, you got John Curtis, he was a former Brewer, Josh Tomlin, he's been bouncing around, he's a former Cleveland guy, former Brave guy, Chaz Rowe, former Ray guy, Dylan Patances is out there as well, former Yankee closer, and uh, former White Sox, I had to throw him in there, he's Great. a left-hander, Ross Detweiler, so uh, any names out there that are interesting, like do, if they go out and add a name, does it have to be a left-hander, because Bennett Souza is in the, 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 the pipeline, he's been progressively getting better and better down there, he's had a good spring, like is that the, the easiest solution, probably the route that they'll take is just call up Souza or any of those names interesting enough? First of all, that picture of Rick that was on that graphic looks oh, yeah. like he's trying to sell me a sell me a cell phone plan on that one. That, that was, was when they said that was when ripped the, right out of a magazine ad. Yeah, I think that's when Andrew Freeman said, "Yeah, we'll take all of Kimbrel's salary." Go. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think they've made their bullpen acquisitions this year. And I, again, you can never have too many. Maybe you see a guy who's more of a fringe major leaguer, you know, that gets signed to a minor league deal, and if you need him, call him up, kind of thing. But I think right now they probably go with because of what a strength that bullpen is. You know what I mean? If, if this was Kendall Graveman we were talking about or if this was Kelly that we're talking about, yeah, now all of a sudden you have to fill the role of and fill the shoes of somebody who is expected to play a very, very right. big part from a veteran standpoint. Um, again, we talked about it. Crochet was expected to be, you know, a featured player in that bullpen. But right now the main concern because of the depth you have everywhere else is to find another lefty. They've got some other lefties. I wouldn't be surprised if they try it. And who knows? Maybe if those don't work, then we're talking about trade deadline rolls around and the White Sox' biggest need is a left-handed reliever because it seems like every trade deadline, everybody always needs a reliever. So that would that would not surprise me at all. But uh, right now, I would predict that they would stay in-house at the moment. Any of those names interesting, the free agent ones? I mean, Ross, Ross Deadweiler, when 2020 mm-hmm. he was on the team, I thought he did a – Really serviceable job when he was left off the playoff roster. 
I was like, wow, that guy has been doing well for the White Sox in uh, spot starts and relief appearances. I know he's a little longer in the tooth and not necessarily the guy that showed up at the south side, but, you know, take a flyer on some some player that happens to throw left-handed, and if it's Ross Detweiler can give you that or Bennett Sousa, so be it. I just need outs. Right. Well, I mean, I know handedness is important, and so batters, especially left-handers, do not like facing some lefties. So it'll be uh, tough at bat if you get a guy that can uh, get lefties out. But get outs. That's all I want. And I think this current bullpen, not afraid of handedness. The lefty uh, versus Kendall Graveman, he'll strike out just like a righty. Yeah, I think that – and that's a, that's a good point too. And the, and the White Sox always bring this up when you talk to them about their bullpen pitchers. Specifically, Aaron Bummer comes to mind. Mm. They always say it doesn't matter what the hand of the bat is. We've got guys that can go out and, and, right. and face anybody. And so I think that, I think that you know, the days of the lefty specialist, especially with the, with the new rules that have come in, you know, are maybe a little antiquated anyway. And mm-hmm. so, uh, we'll, you know, I think Garrett Crochet was going to be expected to face both hands of batters. Right. You know what I mean? So, well, and, and they do have, like, I mean, that's the, the, the positive of the White Sox bullpen. Everyone throws over 95 miles per hour. Everyone has dangerous breaking stuff. Like, they, they just have a ton of talent in that bullpen. It was, before Crochet went down, uh, the most talented bullpen. And before, you know, Kimber was traded, the most talented bullpen in baseball. So, I mean, I, I do like the, the quality of arms that they have, but I don't like the depth of arms that they have. You look at the MLB experience of the left-handers, the only ones that are currently healthy are Keuchel and Bummer. Those are the only left-handers in the complete organization with major league experience. To me, that's a concern. And, you know, Ross Detweiler, I don't think he'd be expensive. I think he could probably bring him back on a minor league contract. And you talked about his 2021, or his 2020 with the Sox, through his first 15 games, a 147 ERA, 18 innings, three earned runs, like serviceable for a guy that, you know, you're just looking to get outs. Like it could just be the Jose Ruiz equivalent of a left-hander, which I, I like, but again, I'm I'm a left-hander, so I am biased. Uh, let's get into the Gro- Garrett Crochet talk, uh, the more important uh, left-hander uh, in this conversation. And I love Crochet, loved what I saw against him, against Shohei Otani, absolutely just mm. dominated him in spring training. However, removed from last night's Reds game in the spring training, uh, in, in the spring training affair, Rick Hahn addresses the media today. He said the injury is not great. There appears to be some damage to the ligament, which very likely will require Tommy John surgery. Uh, that said, this is, again, preliminary, and he's going to seek an ass- a second opinion here in the coming days. And there is another quote here, too, that Scott Merkin tweeted out uh, from Rick Hahn. He said, if you want to bring, uh, if you want to take the half glass half full side of things, at least from a timing standpoint with regards to any Tommy John surgery, using the very generic approximate 11 to 10 uh, 11 to 13 months recovery for a reliever. We should have him back for the 2023 season if that is the case. Now, that's, that's an interesting word that he used there, reliever. But let's talk about just the actual injury there. Uh, it could be, you know, something he gets a second opinion on, and maybe it's just a grade two uh, injury. He did not say that there was a tear. Uh, a tear would require surgery. Uh, if it's just damaged, you know, maybe he can get away from not having a, a surgery here. But if they're going to be out with crochet for 11 to 13 months, what's the timeline that you think he should be back on? Should they try to bring him back as a starter or like Rick, you know, refers there a reliever's timeline? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think they need to make up their mind about what they want, right? And I think they, they did that for a short-term decision for, for the 2022 season this winter. Now they have to do it for a long-term decision over the course of the next year. Uh, I think that if you look at everything that they've said about him and his long-term future, they want him to be a part of the starting rotation. Now, I think they were going to try 
to have their cake and eat it too and 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 make him a starter while he was pitching out of the major league bullpen. That seems challenging, but they were they were going to try to do that. <laughs> now you've got him not being able to pitch for a year. Right. And if he's going to be back next spring training, do you say pick up where you left off and help us win the 2023 World Series as a reliever? Do they say, "Hey, we made a first round pick of this guy and he's a big leaguer and a good one." let him stay in the bullpen and, and be a good bullpen arm? Or do they say, we believe in that long-term future as a, as a starting pitcher, time to get him ready to do that. They're going to need to take time to get him ready to do that. And on the other side of this recovery, do they say, all right, go to the minor leagues, whatever level it might be, and take your time, become a starter, build the workload, whether it's not until 2024 that he's in that rotation, at least you're going to give him time to do that. That's the decision that they have to make over the next year. I would think something like this would be very impactful in that decision-making. You take the short-term out of it, basically, right? You take the short-term of, man, we need this guy in the bullpen to win the World Series right now, and you can say, all right, what's best for our long-term uh, health as an organization? If they believe that it's still him in the starting rotation, maybe this is the thing that makes that decision for them. It is a good quote-unquote timeline right there. You know, 11 yeah. to 13 months, he could be back for the start of next season, but again, that's a reliever's timeline yep. uh, that he's on. Uh, the idea of him being a reliever was not what they drafted him in. Uh, they they said that his you know his floor would be a late inning reliever. Is this you know we talk about Rick's mishaps as a, a GM? Like if he's not turning into a starter, is this a mishap? Absolutely not. He's a major league baseball player without any minor league experience. That's a win already. I know they draft him as a starter. You don't draft somebody that high as a reliever. Things change. The White Sox seem set for now at the starting rotation. We looked at none of these people are going to be leaving next year unless they're trading somebody. So he won't be coming back for 11 to 13 months, so he won't be ready to be a starter in the major leagues next year. I say his best role is probably a dominant reliever. I don't know if he's uh, changed, has a third pitch that he can get over the plate right. consistently. Fastball slider works in the bullpen. 9,900 works. Filthy uh, movement on that slider works. And I know probably for his own pocketbook later on, being a reliever as opposed to being a starter is probably a little bit less money. But I think he can flourish as a reliever in the major leagues. I don't know if he can do that in the major leagues. I mean, barely did it at Tennessee. Right. Like, well, he, he didn't. Yeah. So, yeah. like, that's like, I know what they were trying to do, but things change, plans change. And what's special to the White Sox, I think, is Garrett Crochet being a reliever for 2023 team. Now, if he wants to be a starter, Vinny's plan, perfect. Go to the minor leagues. Kill double-A. Murder it. Get your arms stretched out. And then 2024, we got you, man. You're in our starting rotation. That would be yeah. my best plan because, as Vinny just said, they're trying to serve two masters, trying to have their cake and eat it too. Like, hey, you're a reliever, but we're stretching out to be a starter. That kind of worked out with Michael Kopech last year, and they're trying to roll dice again. And it probably, I don't know if you want to do that again in a championship window with a guy who I think can help your current team be a championship team instead of the 2024 team, which is best for Garrett Crochet. I look at it as best for the White Sox, and Garrett Crochet look, should look at that way too. That's my biggest concern with that whole timeline is, you know, 2023 – 
I, I would be so hesitant to not have him on the 2023 playoff roster. I mean, if he's healthy and has been pitching, trying to build up to a starter, even if he's been building up to be a starter, I mean, he is one of your best 26 players in your in, in your organization. So you need to have him on, on your team in 2023 uh, if he's healthy. I mean, that just seems to be a, a tough spot that they're in. I'll bring this up. Next two, I, I believe, 22, 23, and maybe even 24, guess who's all on the roster? Hendricks, Graveman, Kelly, Bummer. Right. I mean, I, I didn't look at it exactly. I think Kelly's might involve an option like that. But you're talking about Garrett Crochet not being needed to come in and be a, an eighth-inning guy in 23 or 24, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Maybe that helps with that decision-making process. Maybe it doesn't. Yeah, uh, there's one comment here from Pine Tar Keyboard uh, saying, by the time he's back from Tommy John, it'll be, what, four years since he started more than one or two games? Hard to see that happening. It's a fair point uh, brought up by Zach there. I think that that's one of the bigger ones uh, with uh, Crochet. The fact that he doesn't have that minor league experience, the fact that he doesn't have a ton of starting experience, that's a big concern for me. You brought up the fact that he doesn't have a third pitch. Uh, Change-up, he only threw from August to September 12 of his change-ups where you know, he threw over 400 pitches. I mean, he only threw his change-up about like 2% of the time. So, I mean, he doesn't have a pitch mix of a starter at this point. He doesn't have the stamina or experience of a starter. It does feel... And now he's got a, you know, a year injury setback. Like, that's a lot, a lot of hurdles for him to jump over. It just doesn't feel like it's a realistic timeline for him to ever be a starter. And I guess that's why Rick referred to him as a reliever there. And I hope what you were talking about may become true. It's not as serious as we think. It's not as serious as Rick is intimating right. there that he might be out for a year. Maybe he gets a second opinion. The second opinion says, eh, I feel like a rehab will be best in his interest. And he comes back at the end of the year. I'm just praying for that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping for the best for Garrett Crochet. It would, it would suck not to see him in 2022. It sounds like it's a possibility that we won't see him in 2022. I would like to see him become a starter because I just like to see him pitch. Uh, he's a very, very entertaining player to pitch. So if I get to watch him every five days for six innings, that'd be great. Uh, but best of luck to him in his recovery. Hopefully it's better news. Maybe it's just a grade two. I was reading about it. You know, grade two, since it's close to the... Dr. Anderson over here. (laughs) It's got good circulation, so grade two can heal on itself. So, you know, they won't... Obviously, you know, you can't wait too too much longer because, like, you know, you want them to be back as soon as possible. Uh, But, you know, obviously we'll get the second opinion and get more news on Garrett Crochet. But a big loss for the White Sox bullpen. If you enjoy CHGO, one one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. And very importantly, online sign-up is back and available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook, easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Now, we've had some good. We've had some bad. Now it's time to have a guest. Very excited to have this guest on. A big guest, big lifelong Sox fans. He is the host of Hot Ones, First We Feast Hot Ones. It's the show with hot questions and even hotter wings. And he's tailor-made to be a weatherman. It's Sean Evans. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Good, good. You guys can hear me. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us, man. You sound real clear, sound real clean. And, uh, you know, heard, heard you're uh, out in the West Coast today. How's the West Coast treating you? 
Uh, so far, so good. Nice weather, good vibes, uh, sunshine coming in on my face over here. So uh, all good over here on the West Coast. Would it be a good day for a Chicago architecture tour? Tour? It'd be a beautiful day for a Chicago oh. architecture tour. These are the types of days that I dreamed of, you know, like the <laughs> beautiful sunshine, great for photography, nice and clear, a little nice breeze, not too hot. It's perfect. Yeah, you're the host of Hot Ones, uh, but formerly when you were in Chicago, you're an alum of Chicago's First Lady and the uh, Chicago Archers, uh, Architecture yeah. Center, uh, giving tours on the Chicago River. It is a Friday. I like to do trivia on Friday. So if you want to, uh, you know, humor me here, I got five buildings for you. Knowing okay. your history, you said you've given this, you know, this tour in your dreams. Uh, you, you think about this tour still to this day. I want to give yeah, you five yeah. buildings. You want to give me the height of it in feet? All right, I'll try. I'll try the best that I can. I'll try the <laughs> I'll, best that I can here. I'll start you e easy here. Formerly the Sears Tower, the Willis Tower. How tall is it? 1,451 feet tall, 110 stories. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Tribune Tower. Tribune Tower, uh, 952 feet tall. Oh, you made that up, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I just yeah. No, actually, there's no way it can be. Hold on. <laughs> let me run that back. Let me run that back. I mean, that would make it a berserk, like, crazy tall tower. But I feel like it does end in 52, but probably, like, 352 or 452 or something like that. You're getting closer. 496 on the Tribune Tower. Yeah. Uh, Civic Opera House. Remember that one? Yeah, the 35-story uh, Civic Opera building right there on the river. You have the uh, armchair uh, style. I believe that was designed by Graham Anderson Probst and White. 1939, <laughs> 1931. <laughs> um, but it's not too tall. Uh, you know, I, I'm good on the tall buildings where people care about how tall they are. I don't okay. know if anyone cares how tall the Civic Opera building is. But I will guess, I will guess... Uh, Probably in the range, it's got to be, I'm going to go 329 feet tall. Eh, 555 feet, so a little bit bigger than the, uh, the Tribune Tower. Yeah, underestimating. Uh, I'll give you one more big one. Maybe you'll know this one. Uh, I used to work by this one, the Aeon Building. You remember that one? I saw it was on yeah, the tour. Aeon Building. Yep, Aeon Building is, uh, was sneakily, you know, a lot of people think that the Hancock is the second tallest building in Chicago. But when I was doing that tour, it was the Aeon Building. I know there's so much stuff going up all the time there. Every right. time I go back, I can hardly recognize the skyline. But let me think real quick. So I'm going to go with 1,210 feet tall. Close. 1,136. I'll give it to you, Sean. I'll be, I'll be nice. The most important the thing, though, is you spell your name right. Uh, I'll open up the, uh, the, 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 the panel here. We got Herb Lawrence, Vinny Duber out here. I'm Sean Anderson. I spell it the right way, too. It's S-E-A-N. Uh, thanks for joining us and, and playing the, uh, the trivia game there. And Sean with hot I ones. I loved it. And hot ones. <laughs> Like, from an outsider's view, and I say this about athletes all the time, the most important thing is not having the right stuff, having a good bat. It's about confidence. And from an outsider's view, I think you have supreme confidence, not only eating the wings, but asking the questions to the people. How much do you think your confidence and the producer's confidence plays into the success of that show? Because you're a relatively unknown person asking these questions to big time stars and it went seamless. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I'll take the compliment. You know, sometimes uh, it's, you know, doing an interview is an interesting thing because you're always trying to create that rhythm, create that 
create that energy, create that chemistry with someone who you're meeting for the very first time. And then you're doing it in the performative context of, you know, five cameras on you guys and the lights and putting it on TV or whatever. So when you do something like that, uh, it's, it's and especially too, when you're working with unique personalities, that's a unique dance every single time to try to catch that thing. Uh, I am a self-aware person. I feel like I pick up on social cues and body language, maybe a little bit better than other people and kind of find those spots. But overall, I think if there's any reason that I think I can do it every time I step in, it's just from the from the preparation, you know, feeling like I have everything pinned down. I have all my information. I have what I think on paper should work based on everything that I've seen in the past. So you just go in there and try the best that you can to make it something worth watching. And and that's worked pretty well for us. But I, I don't have like any secret to it. And I still feel the butterflies every time we have an episode. So all of that happens the same exact way, but I have confidence in the fact that I've done everything that I can to prepare myself for it to be as best as I can. So just take your swing and see what happens. Sean, you're, you're a Sox fan. You're a, you're a former architecture tour guide. Let's get your ballpark review of Guaranteed Rate Field. You know, I actually, uh, so I remember back in the day, you know, like one of my earliest memories is going to the old Comiskey Park. And then you remember when they first built uh, the cell, it was like the, all the blue all over the place. And that kind of looked like a jailhouse, uh, <laughs> ballpark, you know, it was not a, it was not a pretty looking ballpark, but I will say the renovations, like what they've done with that frame with like the IV, the palette, the smells that come from us cellular field. It's the most like grounding takes me back to my childhood place that I can be in the entire world. You know, every year I try to get back and I get those same exact feelings that I had when I was a kid. So that is, you know, if we're talking about buildings in Chicago and architecture, it's it's in the top three or four, you know, most important landmarks in the city for me, you know, and maybe top two and maybe not even two, you know. Yeah, I know you love Wrigley Field. I mean, we're, we're, is Wrigley more important than, than guaranteed rate in your, your mind? Uh, you, you know, to the history and to the culture and, and all of those things, obviously Wrigley Field and, and Fenway Park are kind of in a, a field of, in a, in a total, you know, atmosphere of their own. But uh, but U.S. Cellular, I think it, it's it, it is just the most special place to me. But yeah, ballpark to ballpark. I mean, I, you know, you, you pull 100 people on the street and compare the two, you know, that's going to be an 89 to 11. Sean. <laughs> sort of uh Sorry, with the news today with the White Sox acquiring A.J. Pollock, lifelong White Sox fan, how do you feel about it? Uh, you know, it feels pretty good. I, You know, I think uh, – and I, I'd like to dig into this a little bit because remember last time, last year when I was on the podcast, the thing that Sox fans were all crazy about when we talked last year, Herb, was when uh, – was about like signing La Russa. And remember me at the time, I was like, he's good. He'll be fine. You know, like I was, I was zigging when everyone else was zagging on that. And I felt kind of the same way about the way that the, uh, the team was structured going into this year, you know, like out in right field, I felt kind of bullish on sort of the combination of sheets and Vaughn and, uh, and angle and, uh, even Adolfo, Adolfo, you know, coming through and, and like finding one of those guys to find it and take over right field. I felt kind of good about it. But then when the news came into today, it just seems like there's like uh, a real pillar there. There's something solid there uh, that I think should give fans uh, a lot of hope going into this uh, next season. I'm one of them. 
You nailed that. I mean, that's exactly what we talked about yeah, earlier. Exactly. The first a, about, yeah. a much more concise <laughs> version of our first block of the show yeah, today. He's not, a, he's not an Obama Sox fan. He's a Sox fan. <laughs> right. Sox yeah, fan. No, and that's yeah, the copywriter yeah. in him, you know? And, and, yeah, and Sean, well, I appreciate that. Sean, <laughs> we were going to ask you, I mean, I know Sean uh, Anderson here on the panel is going to ask you, like, who would you say is top White Sox celebrity fan? Yeah, well, I want to go into this because I got a graphic, too. I don't know if you could see our graphics, but just going into the Hot Ones guest, I was trying to find all the White Sox connection. You get Chance the Rapper wear a White Sox hat on the show. Uh, Idris Elbro just was seen wearing a White Sox shirt in a Sonic 2 promo uh, uh, shoot that he was doing. Will Farrell played in a White Sox spring training game. Uh, Hannibal Burris is a lifetime Sox fan. And then the picture that you see right here is you telling Anthony Rizzo that Jose Abreu is a better first baseman than him. So if you have to take, you know, throw out, you know, who's the best celebrity White Sox ambassador, who are, you know, who is it in your mind? And, and are you in the competition, too? You know, that's a, that's an interesting question. You know, I think a name that maybe got left out in that, I like uh, Bob Odenkirk as, uh, as somebody that we can kind of throw into that mix as well. Uh, but I'd like to think I'm kind of up there. You know, I, I guess we'll see, but I threw out the first pitch last year. I felt like a mm-hmm. good, it got a good pop uh, by the uh, standards of uh, first pitches before the game starts. So I'd like to think that I'm up there, but, uh, you know, I'm not out here to try to, to try to, coalesce brands and anything like that you know this is just something that uh, a team that i've been watching and a team that i've spent a lot of hours rooting for and i've had the highs and all of the lows and everything in between so uh i'd like to think that uh they show me a lot of love every time i go to the stadium so i'd like to think that uh but maybe maybe bob odenkirk you have that you know the obama first pitch but then he said like the weiss thing on the on the perfect game so i don't know there's some give and take there so maybe some people who are more recognizable but i don't think there's anybody that roots harder in this in the seats when you're in in the stands what's your what's your all-time favorite moment at that ballpark just watching a game Okay, so the, my last night in Chicago, my very last night in Chicago, I went to a game uh, before I moved to New York City, and that was a game against the Rays where Jose Abreu hit a walk-off. Oh, my goodness. Hell, yeah. that game. <laughs> this is a rookie yeah, year. Was that, that was that awesome. Game. I was at that game and I caught uh, like a batting practice home run clean in the left field bleachers and then saw the walk off. And then the next day hopped on a plane to go to New York City, left Chicago. And that was like, whatever, you know, eight or nine years ago. Um, so that was probably that was the walk off moment. I also remember, though, when I was in high school, they used to do this thing where it was like half price Tuesdays. They used to do these half price Tuesday night things. And I remember I was at a game there where I was sitting in the right field bleachers and Jose Valentin hit a walk off bomb from the <laughs> left side that went flying over my head. So those are two walk offs that I was at. So those uh, maybe stand off. Stand out off the top of my head without thinking about it too much. Yeah, that Abreu game's legendary. April 26, 2014. That's a grand slam. On my birthday. Too. On my birthday. On my oh, birthday. Oh, look at you. Happy birthday, birthday man. Yeah, I mean, so it's that a little, was a, that was a great a little early. Uh, but uh, the that moment, he almost he almost killed Hawk Harrelson in that moment. I mean, Hawk Harrelson went crazy <laughs> in that moment. Obviously, you were at the game. You don't remember the call. But we love just doing Hawk impersonations here. Uh, you got any fond Hawk memories? I mean, you got a favorite Hawk saying? Yeah, well, I used to like when he would just almost just curse. You know, that was my favorite thing. Like, I liked when he's like, and that ball hit deep, way back, way back. And then he'd go like, oh, dag nabbit. You know, when he <laughs> you could tell that he wanted to say something else. And it was like this close to slipping all the time. But I guess my favorite Hawk meltdown was 
they were playing the Rays at a game at Tropicana. And I forget the context, but I think he like threw out Burley or like there was a pitcher that got thrown out and like the warnings and, and he had that like, ladies and gentlemen, here is an umpire in the American League who knows nothing about the game of baseball. And I think he ended up getting suspended or something after that, but it was just a good classic unhinged Hawk rant. And, uh, you know, I, I love Steve and I love Jason, but, you know, they, they don't make them like Hawk anymore. You know, no. like these guys that, that could basically, you know, like what you'd imagine in, at some like AAA team in like the 1980s, except he was doing it for the White Sox for a lot of years. But uh, uh, that's what I miss is those uh, those unhinged sort of like Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell and Talladega Knights like rants. Well, kind of in that frame, I want to ask you, because you mentioned like people sending you in guest requests, like have Gordon Ramsay on. You guys finally had Gordon Ramsay on. You mentioned Dave Grohl was one of the second most requested guests in the history. But you said like you kind of have a Vince McMahon thing about hot ones where you know what people want more than what they, they know what they want. When you look at the athletes out there, it's tough to have a good like athlete interview. Obviously, your show leads to, you know, getting better answers due to your questions and the wings. But is there a certain entertainer or personality in the sports world that you think is perfect for hot ones? Yeah, I mean, so it's funny that you say that because I think that too. I think um, the athlete interview is one of the hardest nuts to crack as a genre in mm-hmm. the entire, you know, in the entire spectrum. Uh, but I think that, you know, um, guys that come from UFC, guys from boxing, they're naturally good interviews because they're storytellers along with that. So as an athlete, they're kind of the exception. But in the sports world, I think the most sort of made in a lab kind of hot ones guest is uh, Charles Barkley. I think he's like the funniest <laughs> athlete, just like actually funny. He's right. the funniest athlete, I think, of our lifetime. And with baseball and with your uh, Tampa Bay thing, it was uh, Mark Wagner, I believe, and it's Jose Quintana. Yeah. Mark got- Wagner, here's an, here's an umpire in the American League who knows nothing about the game of baseball. And I remember him saying, Wagner, he do that. Like, Wagner, yeah. what are you doing, Wagner? What that is doing? Yeah, that yeah. is Paul Canerco's favorite Hawk moment too, and he is on camera doing an impression of him doing it. So you and you and Paulie got something in common there. In company, good company. I was Absolutely. wondering, like, is there a baseball city, um, not necessarily to go to the baseball game, but is there a baseball city that you haven't been to that might be on your uh, list? Yeah. Um... I want to go to that ballpark in San Diego, you know, like mostly because I just want to, you know, take the boys out for like a lad's trip to San Diego and and uh, be a good excuse to catch to see that ballpark. Um, But that's a that's an interesting question. Um, I try to hit as many as I can, like when I'm traveling around, if I'm free and available, I'll go to the go to a game. So I've knocked out a lot of ballparks across the over the years. Um, But Fenway, I've never been to. I'm going to go. Actually, I'm I'm doing this event in Boston and it lines up with the White Sox playing at Fenway. So I'm going to do that uh, this year. And I'm really excited about that. So that's number one thing that I'm excited for, but just on like cool day game vibes. I, I really want to hit that, uh, that ballpark in San Diego. You will not be, you will not be disappointed. It's awesome. It's my second favorite one behind PNC. Hell yeah. PNC looks sick too. Yeah. Those are a bunch that there's a bunch I have to cross off the list and some of the crown jewels. I think every guest we've we've had on so far, we've asked uh, you get one White Sox jersey from any year. What what are you buying? What are you what are you throwing on for a game? 
Well, my favorite, uh, my favorite jersey is that 1983. You know the throwbacks, like mm -hmm. the that across. So, like, who would who would I get from that? Like, is Carlton Fisk or uh, Dick Allen or uh, like um, who else would have been like from that time? But Ozzie. my favorite, Ozzy, yeah, an Ozzy '83 throwback would be, uh, yeah, that would be a, a Grail jersey for me. And then, uh, you know, favorite player of all time. I wore a Frank Thomas jersey when I threw out the first pitch uh, last year. Uh, my favorite White Sox player. And there it is, too. That's actually, if you look at the date, April 26, 2014, that's the uh, Jose Abreu. Oh, look at that. Right I, I pulled that just because I wanted to, to mention the patch on it, too. You got the 75th anniversary of Comiskey, and you're sitting in the best damn seats in the house, 161. That's where I saw Burley's yeah. perfect game. So I just, I love that picture completely doing your uh, deep dive in your Insta. Hell yeah, yeah, and corroborating the story. <laughs> exactly. And I didn't even know I was doing it. So, uh, you know, I got, got lucky there. I want to go uh, down one route with you. It's not a Hot Ones route. It's not a White Sox route. During the pandemic, I think we might have all fell into, like, YouTube holes, just random, you know, just random things, just, you know, clicking it, recommended video after recommended video. One of those holes was a David Letterman hole for me. I love, like, David Letterman at the Taco Bell drive through That's one of my favorite bits. Yeah, I know that, that he's yeah, that's an amazing bit. one that's of your amazing. heroes. What's what's your favorite Letterman bit or interview uh, that you can recall? Well, I did like that one. You know, I did, I did like that. Uh, um, I did like those bits, and he used to do that uh, all the time. It would be like at Taco Bell, he'd do different uh, drive throughs and those were the funniest bits. But I kind of like the absurdity. That The thing that I liked about Letterman – is he seemed like he was doing, and I think even Paul Rudd said this on my on Hot Ones, and it, it rang true to me, is that he didn't. He almost was doing this big, huge network late night show as if no one was watching. So <laughs> the the weirdness of it all, like it almost had like cable access vibes to it when they're dropping things off of the roof and they have these stupid human tricks or like the doors open up and it's just like a, a person, in, you know, like a woman in basically like steel or metal underwear taking a blade saw and taking it to herself <laughs> as, as just uh, sparks go all over the place or if you'd had quarterbacks on and they're just throwing footballs through cab windows and stuff. It was, it was just the goofy things that he was doing um that always endeared me to him and then also his irreverence and just sort of almost like uh he had almost an approach like somebody who dreads and was just like sort of going through the motions of their job but he was doing it as you know one of the biggest entertainers in the world you know i i liked his ease his self-awareness his not taking himself too seriously um the harmony uh Corrine interviews, I think, are like especially good. I liked uh, the um, the Richard Simmons stuff, you know, mm -hmm. like blasting him out with a fire extinguisher when he goes <laughs> out on stage. Those things I liked a lot. Um, so, yeah, those are probably some of my favorite interviews he used to do, uh, like the Marv Albert stuff with the highlights that I always used to love as a kid. So uh, too many to name, but, uh, yeah, absolute There's legend. One I found, and he's doing, uh, Jack Black is doing a press tour for Gulliver's, Gulliver's Traveler, Travels, and it's a five-minute segment. And you talk about the absurdity. He, and get, get this, Sean, I, I know this might be a new concept to you. David Letterman gives Jeff, Jack Black jalapeno pepper, serrano pepper, habanero pepper with the Scoville units. Jack Black eats all three of them and then gets a pitch for Gulliver's Travel. Does that sound familiar <laughs> to you? 
<laughs> you know what? I never heard. I never saw that. But yeah, wow. He's like the patron saint of hot ones. Yeah, uh, uh, Jack mentioned it with the the Kyle Gass t uh, tenacious D one. Uh, he it was a little brief one, but yeah, he did it. Uh, you know, it was basically like mini hot runs trial for Jack Black. Oh, I have to go. Uh, I have to go track this down. But yeah, he, that's that's the genius of Dave right there. Right. Oh, I just thought it was interesting. You guys overlap. Yeah, yeah. That is Are you gonna do another uh, chili? Uh, what is it? Scotch bonnet or, uh, oh, or a Reaper yeah, Carolina yeah. Reaper with your man Chili Klaus? I don't think so unless <laughs> he makes, you know, I can't say no to Chili Klaus. He's just, uh, he has a way about him. Um, but so if he asked in the right way at the right time with the right concept, I don't think that there's any way that I could say no, but I'm definitely not seeking it out to do that again. You know, you do that once, that's plenty. You do that twice, that's just dumb. And if you do that three times, I don't know where that puts me. And I think in the episode, one of the two episodes that I've seen with you and Chili doing that, it's... The enjoyment I get is kind of like the enjoyment a person who's sitting at home, a scratch golfer, sees a guy uh, struggle at the British Open. Because you, ne I never see you sweat until I see those episodes. I'm like, oh, yeah, Sean's a human. He's not that uh, yep. machine that I think he is uh, usually when he's uh, doing those regular hot one interviews. But, yeah, those are my favorite. I know that's pain for you, but, you know, if you can get chilly, and just bring him to the ballpark. I'll, I'll introduce him to some Jardinaire. Just so long as it's a joy to you, Herb, then it's all worth it. I mean, he, yeah, can he take down Jardinier? Sweet uh, yeah, I imagine. He's uh, <laughs> yeah, a garbage disposal, spice garbage disposal. I don't think he'd have any problem with that. All right, Sean, got to send you off on this. You got a prediction for the 2022 White Sox. You coming in hot with any predictions for the 2022 Sox, or are you just going to try to enjoy the season and see where the ride takes yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a see where the ride takes me kind of guy. Uh, you know, I believe in Rick Hahn and trust in Rick Hahn and love rooting for this team. Uh, I think, it, it, and, and I could go on this for a couple minutes. So I'll try to I'll try to yeah, take your time, man. You take your time. All right, We're fine. Good. Let's see the genius work. All right, here is my here's my full take on this season. So. I think you can mark them down for winning the AL Central. I think that they're a better team than they were last year. And the AL Central, you know, kind of stinks. Like maybe with the exception of the NL Central, uh, it's the worst division in baseball. You know, whatever. It's before the season. Anything can happen. But just on paper, when I look at it, I, I see the same thing that I saw the last couple seasons where the White Sox are a step ahead of everybody else in that regard. And then the NL East is kind of stacked. So they might all beat up on each other. And who knows? The White Sox could end up in that spot where they get that two seed, be able to pick your opponent kind of playoff situation. You know, I think that that's like that's something that can easily happen. And the reason that I think that is because there's so many guys on this team that we, we don't know what their ceiling is. They haven't hit their ceiling. You know, like maybe Luis Robert is a top five player in baseball. Like that might be true. You know, we don't know the kind of step forward that Andrew Vaughn will take. Like maybe Moncada hits like he did in 2019, but then he feels like he has like the last couple seasons. Tim Anderson, Abreu, Grandal, Eloy not hurt. You know, like you don't know where the ceiling is on any of these guys. So you imagine even if some things miss or there are some injuries, you have to imagine that this team right now is better than it was before. There are people that talk about the pitching staff, you know, being one of the best pitching staffs in baseball. I know Garrett Crochet went down, but the bullpen is pretty stacked, um, you know, still there. So, you know, you have really good pitching. You have uh, deep kind of bullpen or maybe they can maybe add another arm now uh but then a good lineup so i guess we'll see what happens the knock against the white Sox has always been uh at least the last couple seasons that you know they'll go 18 and 2 against the royals and tigers and then 
lose every game against the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Rays. And every time they have a Sunday night baseball game, you know, like there is that situation. So, but I think this is another year beating up on the division. I think that they take a step forward. I kind of like the way that the off season has kind of shaped, you know, the way it shook out as we, uh, as we uh, talk today. So all of those things feel pretty good to me. Um, it did seem, you know, when I, I went to four White Sox Yankees games last year, they White Sox lost them all. You know, I think if you no, don't remind that, me, yeah, if you looked at the the game, you know, if you looked at the series against the Astros, and almost, you know, if they played ten times, like I think the Astros would have won eight. You know, like did they get over that hump? You know, where right. they're just, you know, not in that bronze trophy or just off of the off of the winner's circle level. I think that's kind of where they were last year, but this year guys are healthy. I like the way that it lines up. Team's fun to root for. Good locker room. Tight group of guys. So. I'm just ready to ride so with him. I'm just ready to ride for him another year. And your guy Tony Russo too, Sean. And you know, and I call. I said it was good. It was good. <laughs> tight, tight locker room. You know, uh, they all seem to love him, and and I was right about that. So I hope yes, I'm were. right about this too. I hope I'm right about this too. Yeah, it seems like you were trying to say uh, what MJ once said: the ceiling is the roof for the 2022 White Sox. So uh, it should be an exciting season. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you're, you're down in Chicago. We could see uh, catch a game or a few down here. Absolutely, looking forward to it. Appreciate your time, Sean. He's the host of Hot Ones. First, we feast Hot Ones on YouTube. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Sean, the right spelling, S-E-A-N-C-S-E-A-S-E-A, Evans, Sean C. Evans on Twitter and Instagram. Host of Hot Ones, Sean Evans, thank you so much for your time, and uh, go Sox. Go Sox. <laughs> That's a way to send him off. Thank you, Sean, for your time. Really great to talk to him. Going to wrap it up. For Vinny Duber, you can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. For Herb Lawrence, you can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. This is a big weekend. We'll see what unfolds of AJ Pollock now becoming a White Sox. What unfolds of Garrett Crochet's injury. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, Sean Evans is right. The ceiling is the roof for this Chicago White Sox team. You can follow the CHGO White Sox page on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. We will be back on Monday with our talk of the AL Central. Who is the biggest foe for the White Sox in the 2022 AL Central? We'll talk about that here on Monday on the CHGO White Sox podcast.